Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. I, like you, am just recovering, you know, battle-weary from the absolute litany of public holidays we've just recently had, dude. My God. Do you, have, do you know how many public holidays we have had in the last two weeks? Three. Now, it doesn't read as aggressively on paper as it felt in real life, but let me tell you, if you give each of those public holidays your full attention and commit to each one of them as if the next one is not in fact coming, three is more than enough, my friend, okay? Three is more than enough. And, you know, it's rare we get treated by the calendar in such a way. Often it feels like the calendar has some sort of a vendetta against, against the lads having a good time. You know, I think the last uh, Australia Day last year, the public holiday was on a Wednesday. I think we had another one on a Tuesday the year before. No one has any use for a public holiday on a Tuesday, Wednesday. And while we're here, let's just put Thursday right in the mix as well. Okay? The thing with public holidays is they get lonely. So you gotta you got to sn- snuggle them up right next to a freaking Saturday or a Sunday to keep them company, you know? And that's what's so great about Easter. Good Friday, okay? Easter Monday, what's the key word there? A lot of people would, would argue the key word is in fact Easter. But you're mistaken, my friend. The key word there is in fact Monday, okay? Easter rips so hard because every year, the days of the week the holiday falls on are pre-selected. Okay, and they're pre-selected in a way that is in everyone's best interest. I don't know anyone on the planet who would say no to a four-day long weekend. I know a fair few people that would say no to having Tuesday, Wednesday off and then going back to work on Thursday. You can't start and stop people like that. Human beings are like cars. Once the engine's running and we're going, once we're in fifth gear, you can't just drop into first, you know? You got, you got to go up and down through the gears. You can't just have someone come off a Tuesday, attack Wednesday. On, let's say Wednesday is a public holiday. You can't have someone working their muggle job on a freaking Tuesday, then switch straight into fifth gear, attack Wednesday like it owes them a fucking favor, and then go straight back down into Thursday, back to the spreadsheets. Okay? Human beings aren't built like that. And to treat them in such a way is, I personally feel, pretty unethical. So it's good to see the public holidays just line up, you know, and I think all public holidays, you know, Anzac Day obviously is the 25th, so that's probably the only one that's non-negotiable. But here's the thing, I mean, every other one, like Australia Day, they want to change the date. I'm on board, lads. But let's just, let's change it to a, like, let's celebrate on a day rather than a date, like Australia Day, let's have it like, you know, the first Friday of February or something. Just let's have it on a friendly day of the week because the way they they try to rev up and down the, uh, you know, the general population with some of these public holidays, it's it's simply too much. And I also took the four days of leave in between Easter and Anzac Day this year. 
So head office can absolutely take that and put it in their in their freaking pipe. Four days of annual leave and I've carried on for a gentleman's 11. How do you feel? Okay. How do you feel that someone, someone from downstairs, one of the grinders, you know, has outsmarted the suits in HR? And really, there's no better value for money than taking that four days, is there? You turn four days into 11. If you could turn $4 into $11, you'd be doing something pretty special there. But you want to turn four calendar days into 11 days of holiday. No money down. You're either a magician or a corporate warrior who hasn't been on a holiday in quite some time. Either way, I wish you the best of luck, okay? So I'm feeling a little bit fragile, a little bit battle-torn. Have I been sort of on the piss for a gentleman's two weeks? It's not for me to say, and I would never come out on this podcast and make such a bold statement. But nevertheless, I am feeling a little bit worse for wear. I've been out, you know, I've been out on the road, which as you guys know, is where I live. My, when I fill out my tax returns, I put address, I put the road. And the ATO have never once brought it up with me because they know, they know who I am and they know exactly where I live. Okay, so I've been out there trucking nonstop, as it were. Unbelievable. I've, I've not going to lie, I'm just coming filled to the brim with yarns this week. A lot of yarns from the road. So here we go. Obviously, last Thursday, my hand goes up and my heart goes out to the people of Brisbane. Two sold-out shows. What a time to be alive. So much fun. Okay, like to shout out the Good Chat Comedy Club, who were ever so gracious in their hosting of me. And what was just sense—it's just sensational. I enjoyed both shows. Uh, second show was sick, and uh, loved it. Just bloody loved it. Had my opener, Rowan Arneal, make the flight up. He almost missed the first show, which, you know, having your only support act. Almost missed the show. Will it give you a panic attack when you're out there on the road doing things by yourself, holding up the dream? Yeah, dude, it will, okay? <laughs> so I was freaking out before the show, but Rowan turns up and because Rowan was supposed to get in at like 5 p.m., which is fine. Show's not till 7. I got no qualms with that. But he was flying Jetstar. And as a freaking a frequent flyer of Jetstar myself, uh, you know, I can assure you that their times of departure are more, they're more suggestions and they're more best case scenarios than they are fixed in logistics. Okay. So I've been burnt by them before and I thought maybe this would be another case of that, but all good, no stress. So the shows were great in Brisbane. First show, couple of highlights. One of the lads in the crowd called me a genuine seven, which I took to heart, and I've had my shoulders back ever since. Thanking you, young man. Thanking you. And also the first show, some bloke walks in at like 7.30 for the 7 p.m. show. This guy just walked in. I don't know. There was no one on the door. Sort of gives you an insight into the level of security at a Billy Darcy gig. Okay. I tell you what, if you want to assassinate Billy Darcy, do it at one of my gigs. I reckon you'd have a much easier time coming in while I'm doing an hour on stage, blowing my head off and leaving 
than you would actually just breaking into my freaking two-bedroom apartment. I mean, the ease with which this man slid into this show. I can't wait till I'm famous enough that if someone walks into the uh, to the freaking 7 p.m. show by accident, they're just absolutely, they wake up unconscious outside. That's, that's the sort of fame I'm looking for, dude. <laughs> so anyway, this guy comes in to the 7 o'clock show at 7.25 and he goes, I'm sorry, is this the 8.30 show? And I said, well, no, it's 7.25. And he goes, oh, okay, maybe I'm here for this one. I go, well, what ticket did you buy? Also, I'm on stage dealing with this. Like, there's, there's no one, no one was on the door or anything. So I'm chatting to this bloke. I, I'm not only am I the comedian, I'm also the first and last line of defence. You know, I produce, I, I do a podcast. I'm now also security. Okay, how many strings can one man have to his bow? Well, I don't know, but it's a fair, it's a fair fucking few at the moment. I'll tell you that. So. I go, well, what show did you buy tickets to? And he said, well, I bought tickets to the 8.30 show. And I said, well, right, what time is it right now? And he goes, well, it's 7.25. I go, well, there's your answer, man. Get the fuck out of here, dude. I was raging. But um, I actually met that bloke after the second show. I should have charged him for the extra five minutes he saw of the first. But he was actually a pretty good bloke. So sorry about the mix-up and the subsequent torching, my friend. Uh, I appreciate you coming through. Then also, how's this? So the second show, second show is just great. A couple of blokes in the crowd from IGA, two brothers who both worked at IGA. Separate franchises, might I add. Uh, so that was, that was probably the most harrowing moment of the show. Very confronting. And then, so... I'm doing my closer. So if you haven't seen my, my show this year, I close on this story and it goes for about three or four minutes and, you know, I close on it. Once I say this story, the show is over. So it's important for the story to go well. So the end of the show goes well. You know, I'm sure this is all very much by the by. But so the second show is fucking electric, you know, thanking all. I'm having a great time up there. Then I start my story and about 30 seconds in, I can just see two guys are not even looking at me near the right-hand side of the stage. This, the room is a semicircle shape. I'm in the middle of the semicircle, crowd sort of wrapped around and, you know, second show, it wasn't too rowdy, wasn't too rowdy, no qualms and these guys are just not even looking at me. And then like 30 seconds into the story still, I can see they're still not looking at me. But now I've got a decision to make because I don't want to like, they're just being so, they were kind of chatting, whispering to each other, looking like behind me up in the roof type thing. I don't even know. But here's the thing. I can't really stop to be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? You pieces of shit. Um, Because I'm in the middle of my closing story. And, you know, you can't just jump out of a story and jump back in. It doesn't really work. You sort of lose the, the momentum of it, as it were. So I'm thinking, what the... I go, okay, okay. I'll just bite my tongue. This is fine. I'll bite my tongue and I'll just sort of push through the story. Then maybe 30 seconds later, all the people in front of me are also looking where these 
uh, blokes were looking before. They're looking kind of up and over me. You know, I thought they might have been checking out my sensational traps. Then I looked at my shoulders and realized they were quite unimpressive and that can't have been what they were looking at. So I go, and th- at this point, I'm like two, two minutes into the story. I'm kind of getting towards the pointy end of it. And no one's even fucking looking at me. You know what I mean? And, I, and before this, it's been 55 minutes, an hour of just, just bloody everyone's having the best time of their goddamn life. Now, after an hour, not only are they not, they're, they're sort of laughing, but I can't even get them to look at me. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, what's happened? Have people decided they hate my shirt 55 minutes into the show? And a collective conscious has taken over the group. They've lost faith in me. How? How could I lose them at the 55-minute mark? This is ludicrous. So I just snap. I go, guys, what the fuck is everyone looking at? I go, I'm here. I'm in the middle. And I start, like, freaking out a bit. And then they go, they go sorry, we didn't want to tell you. There's a possum in the roof above your head. And I go, What? And I don't even want to turn around because then I think if I turn around, you know, someone's going to say, ah, there was never a possum, you loser. And maybe start throwing raw eggs at me or something. So I'm like, there's not a fucking possum back there. And then they're like, nah, there's a, there's a possum, dude. And it was like a basement comedy club. And I turn around and there's like a full-blown ringtail possum in the fucking pipe slats. Like just full, uh, picture a ringtail possum. And then just picture it full fucking blown. Because that's what I was looking at. You know, this thing was fully grown. And it was just, I didn't know what to make of it. And I still don't. On one hand, I was kind of relieved. Because I was like, yes, this is why they haven't been paying attention. This possum is here stealing my thunder. You know, and then I remembered as well, Luke Kidgel posted a video online of him playing the same comedy club. And there was a, it was the same possum. The same possum has returned. Now, I'm, now I've gone from being relieved that the possum has entered to now I'm kind of a little bit pissed because this possum is a repeat offender. Okay? It's one thing to stumble in and interrupt the arts one time. But if you're going to freaking, you interrupt the arts a second time, you are now an enemy of stand-up comedy as far as I'm concerned. And this possum just did not give a fuck. You know, like, it was like the, the more I yelled at this possum, well, I didn't even yell at it, but I was like, what are you doing, mate? I'm getting nothing from this possum. No acknowledgement that I'm even in the room. Do you know what a mug off this was? I'm, I'm freaking, I'm doing a second sold out show to 70 odd people. And this possum's pranced in as if I've interrupted him. You know, as if, as if I've gone into his home interrupted what he was doing that was the energy he was giving me you know it's like when you've hated someone for years for like something they did or something that happened and then like four years later you see them and they're like and you're like oh here he is this piece of shit and they're like oh what's your name again billy and they don't even know who you are you know like that was the energy this possum was giving me just couldn't give a fuck could not give a fuck. But anyway, so the possum kind of stole the show at the end. I finished my story uh, in one of the more humble tones that you'll hear me finish a story in. And uh, we all danced off into the sunset. So great times. Thanking you, Brisbane.
loved it, had the best time. And then, obviously, what do you do after a couple of shows in Brisbane? Straight to the valley, yeah? Straight to the valley. Dude, I fucking love the valley. And I've said it before, okay? And, you know, Brisbane, god damn it, you son of a bitch. Brisbane kind of rips. It kind of rips pretty hard, actually. I love the valley. It's just absolute chaos. There appears to be zero RSA in Brisbane. Like, uh, it was like 2 a.m. at at this pub, Rick's. Fucking love Rick's. And uh, it was uni night, so I got to say, like, everyone there was like... I mean, it's one thing for people to be 18, but I I reckon there was some genuine 15-year-olds in this pub, you know? Chicks are wearing fucking Bratz shirts and shit. Like, it was a bit confronting, but I was still having a great time. Um, And there just seems to be no RSA, like... 2 a.m., been drinking there for like the past couple of hours. The place is a mess, it's just cranking. And I just go to the guy, could I, oh yeah, could I get four to double tequila sodas and like four, four shots? And the guy's like, yeah, mate, anything else? I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, if I ordered this order in Sydney after midnight, I would be hung up in the town square and given lashings. I mean, the thought of having a shot after midnight in Sydney, you better, you, you better want to, <laughs> I was going to say, you, you better want to be shot as well afterwards, you know, because it's the word shot. Edit that out, Darcy. You son of a bitch. You got greedy with the word shot. You already had the town lashings analogy going. There was no need. God, fucking blew it. Totally blew it, dude. Billy Darcy, edit that out, you absolute clown. Thank God I don't edit this podcast. But anyway, yeah, so it's pretty much no rules in Brisbane from what I can tell. So good. And I was basically just on the piss for like three days in Brisbane. Loved it. Uh, Shout out to my friends, my friends, my friends, Maddie, Caitlin and Wacko Jacko. God, these guys always show me the best time in Brisbane. I'll tell you what I love about my Brisbane mates. And this is something that I just find just such an attractive quality in people is my friends from Brisbane love Brisbane. Like when I come to Brisbane, they're like pumped to show us around and like show us all these cool spots and and stuff like that. I feel like so many people trash their own towns and it's just embarrassing. You know, the first time I ever went to Brisbane... Obviously, I went to a subway to fuel up for, before some shows. And I asked the chick behind the subway counter. I said, it's my first time to Brisbane, which it was. I said, what should I do? And she said, oh, nothing. It's Brisbane. And I thought, well, fuck me. No one's got a gun to your head, babe, you know? Well, you're just going to mope around this city for the next 60 years, telling people with, with a twinkle of excitement in their eye that they should not worry about potentially trying to have any fun whatsoever. Take that energy, finish my premium footlong sub, and then hit the bricks, okay? I've had enough of you. But yeah, my mates in Brisbane, they love Brisbane. They froth on it, you know? And it's great energy because they get you G'd up. So love that. Had the best trip ever. Um, then so popped in... How's this? So, popped in to remote Northern Rivers Town, Clunes, for the Easter long weekend beforehand. I'm sort of backtracking a bit here. I've got some yarns to catch up on. So, 
basically flew to Clo- flew to Ballina with Macca the weekend before. And then my mate was picking me up and driving us to Clunes. Clunes is a tiny town. It's basically got a general store and a and a servo and a cafe. And that's like sort of the town. It's beautiful though. It's right up in the hills. Rainforest territory, yeah? Rainforest territory. So get to Clunes. Sydney Airport was absolute chaos on the Easter long weekend. So there were scenes of like four hour waits, this sort of stuff. No staff available. So me and Macca got, we got to the airport for our 45 minute flight to Ballina three hours early. I had like, my mum was calling me the day before being like, don't even attempt to go to the airport if you're not going to go three hours early. I go, okay, all right, we better get there early. So me and Macca get to the airport three hours early. There is zero line for security whatsoever. I don't know what the issue was previously, but they obviously rectified it. And then now we're just here at the airport three hours early uh, for a 45-minute flight. I dead set tossed up walking to Ballina just to use the three hours a little more fucking productively than just milling around Sydney domestic, trying to fight off the urge to buy a $23 toasty, which I eventually did because... Because they look so goddamn good in the window, you know? <laughs> and anyway, so we go to Clunes. There's about, I think, 10 of us going up to Clunes to visit my mates uh, Ben and Brooke, who have just bought property up there. Outstanding. And just the funnest time. So, how's this? A couple of yarns from this trip. So, one of the days we're going to this place, Frieda's Field, which is like a farm to table restaurant. Very luxurious, okay? Very. Uh, you know, cuisine, etc. Beautiful food. And it's like you're on the farm. So overlooking the paddocks, outstanding. So we go, now I didn't realize when you're in a remote town, it's like impossible. Firstly, forget Ubers. Okay. Forget about Ubers. You know, I'm a city slicker. I was trying to get a fucking Ola in in clones, dude. Okay. I had no idea what was going on. Then, so you got to get a taxi. You got to call them up. That's fine. So they send out this maxi taxi and they say, we've got to charge you because the taxi has to come from Lismore. So you go, Lismore's about half an hour away. You go, okay, maybe 20 minutes, whatever. So the bloke rocks up in a maxi taxi, comes right down. Ben and Brooke have a long winding pathway and then he comes down and he gets stuck at the bottom. You know, I want to say the driveway was mildly wet. I don't think this guy was a particularly competent driver, if I'm being as candid as possible uh, with you, the listener, because it was an automatic van and this guy was stalling like it was a fucking manual. Like he was like, it was like revving it too hard and the wheels were spinning. And it's like, it's an automatic. I'm sorry, there's just no excuse. It was a concrete driveway. It was a concrete driveway. He's in an automatic and he can't get up it. It's like, brother, just fucking give it some and fix up that attitude on the way up because right now you're creating problems that don't exist. So our mate Barthy had to go down there and literally coach this bloke out of the driveway like it was freaking a driver's education course. And by the way, I'm not above helping a fellow human being who's stuck in a driveway. I've been stuck in some pretty weird driveways myself in my beautiful Mazda Metro, but that's a manual car and I was freaking hungover at the time. 
So I'm not above helping a fellow human, but this man is a qualified professional driver, okay? So I think at the very least, he should be able to navigate a concrete driveway with an incline of 37 degrees. So whatever, Barthy coaches this bloke out of the uh, out of the taxi. We all hop in and you know what it's like in a maxi taxi, bants, 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 and everyone's having a good time. And then I just look at the front of the taxi. I haven't seen, I've saw something I haven't seen in ages. The taxi meter that it tells you what you'll be paying. And I said, well, well, golly gosh, guys, I must have had too much, too many soda pops last night because my eyes are betraying me. We're not even out of the driveway yet. And the meter is on $120. We're on $120 out the gate with this bloke. Unbelievable. Just the gall on this man. Okay. So obviously that was the freaking call out fee. Pretty how you going, you know? Uh, so I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, we're 120 out the gate. I'm thinking, was this thing on while this bloke was fucking stuck in the driveway? You know what I mean? So not sure what's going on there. Then, whatever, because it's not a far drive. Brooke told me it's about five minutes to this Freeders Field place. Cool, 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 whatever. This guy just gets us immediately lost. And he's going all sorts of weird directions. And here's the thing. We're not getting lost, you know, in Newtown or Bondi or fucking St. Kilda, dude. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. We're in like roads where it's like the, is this even a road? We're like in the going between paddocks and stuff. There's no signs anywhere. No one's got signal. So now we're just lost. It takes us about 25 minutes to get there. And it costs $200. (laughs) It was the most aggressive taxi. And then, so we drove for an extra 20 20 minutes and we knew it was quick because there was a first group in another taxi of our mates. They've been at fucking Freitas Field for about half an hour, having appetizers and shit. So we knew it was only a two minute drive. We took half an hour and the goal of this bloke, he's taken half an hour for a three minute drive. He's got stuck in the driveway. He's got lost and then charged us $200. That's when he delivers the quote of the trip. He goes, oh, he goes, don't worry, guys. I know where I am now. And it's like, (laughs) I, I don't even know because like the guy was having a tough time, but I was literally, my brain was just churning over with just horrendous things to say to this bloke. I was thinking, you know where you are now? Now that the meter's stopped, all of a sudden, you've got your fucking sense of direction back, brother, hey? Now that now that we're not going up at fucking $25 a meter, now all of a sudden, you've got your bearings. How convenient for you, my friend. You know? And this guy was playing dumb. You know? Once the freaking... The card payment cleared on the 220 for a fucking... We could, we could have walked to this place, and he's doing the lads for 220, and now he's come to his senses... And he's able to take on the next trip and he has full bearing of his location. So just want to congratulate that man. The timing on that was truly impeccable. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'll tell you what, it was pretty nostalgic just to be absolutely mugged off by a taxi driver once again, you know, just to have some bloke lie straight to your face and then ask you for way more money than his service deserved and then not break a sweat And eventually you just have to pay him because that's how the world works, dude. It was pretty bloody nostalgic, I gotta say. (laughs) So unfair, so nostalgic. Welcome to 2005, babe, hey? (laughs) So anyway, 
So we go to Frieda's Field. I will say this place, best meal I've ever had in my life. It was like four courses, but they were all sensational. The f- We were so hungover. It was unbelievable. Like literally wanted to just, I wanted to vomit in Frieda's Field. Okay. To be completely candid and a little bit blue about the whole situation. We were not doing well. You know, so first dish that comes out, you know, I'm not exactly a foodie. I've got the worst hangover of my goddamn life. First dish that comes out, raw swordfish. So I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this swordfish better show some determination to stay in my stomach because this could go either way. But it was absolutely delicious. Best meal I've ever had. So fun. We were just getting so blind and it was just great. So great. At one point, I had a margarita in one hand and a glass of red in the other. You can't tell me those beverages go together, you know? That's just the sort of vibe we had. We didn't care for for customs or price tags anymore. We were above the law, okay? So, having the best time ever. And my mate Barthy pipes up and he he goes, Billy, there's an Australian female celebrity here. And I'm thinking, oh, holy shit. I go, who is it? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to guess. And I start having a sticky beak around the bloody restaurant. Pretty big restaurant, but it's kind of like an outdoor barn. I don't know if I've, it's like a massive barn on a, like all these paddocks. It's in the middle of nowhere. So I'm looking around the restaurant going, fucking oath, who could it be? I'm thinking, is UFC fighter King Casey O'Neill eating at Frieda's Field as we speak? But no, I would have clocked King Casey in a second. Then I thought it might have been Magda Zabanski. She just came into my, I thought, fucking oath. Because I was thinking all my favorites. I was thinking, oh. And I was like drunk enough where I was like, if I see Magda Zabanski, I'm getting a photo straight away. You know, like I was hammered. So I was like, yeah, I'm totally getting a photo with Magda. And then I was like, but then he wouldn't tell me, Barthy. He would not tell me who this celebrity was. And I'm looking around and I couldn't see, I couldn't see Magda Zabanski. I couldn't see anyone else. Then he was, uh, then I was thinking maybe it's like a news reader or something. Maybe it's someone not even good. And I go, so I just sort of left it. I just gave up, you know, I'm not traditionally a quitter, but on this circumstance, I, you know, I dropped my head and returned to sinking piss with a vengeance. So, oh, lot, yeah, just let it go. Then at the end of the lunch, I, you know, at this point, I'm pissed. I said, Barthy, I said, come on then. You've had your fun. Who's this celebrity, mate? And he goes, all right, all right. He said, look over my left shoulder. And I'm jumping out of my skin. I can't wait. And I look over and I see a blonde woman having a meal. God bless her. You know, bigger woman, you know, beautiful flowing dress, blonde hair. You know, I, I wish her all the best, but um, if, as far as I'm concerned, this woman is not a celebrity, or at least not one that I'm aware of. I go, who is it? And he goes, that blonde woman. I go, in the blue dress. He goes, yep, blonde woman, blue dress. I go, okay, who do you think that is? And Barthy goes, that's Casey Donovan. And I said, <laughs> I don't know who it is, but it's definitely not Casey Donovan, dude. That, that's not Casey Donovan at all. He goes, are you sure? I go, 100%. There's no chance in the world that's Casey Donovan. That's a freaking, that's just a private citizen having lunch. Okay. I can't believe you've been hyping this up for two hours and it's not, it, 
And also, even if it was Casey Donovan, you think Casey Donovan's getting me out of my chair? Ugh, what a letdown. What a complete letdown. So that was kind of annoying, but didn't take away from the day. And we just had the best time ever. A couple of incidents from the piss up uh, just quickly were that, firstly, one of the lads, so it's about, you know, five guys, five girls. It was really a couple's trip that me and Macca came along to, all right? Me and Macca were the single guys and then and our mate Barthy. And then, ever, it, then it was like five couples. So one of the lads has slipped off with his missus. You know, no one noticed he was gone. He's obviously slipped off to do a bit of boot scooting, you know, as is his right. It's his holiday too. So no one notices, but we're in the backyard around the fire, just yucking it up, telling a few, telling a few jokes, etc. And we just hear bang. And then you just see like silhouetted in one of the bedroom windows, just hands going everywhere. The blinds came crashing down. The windows were like frosted, so you couldn't see the people, but you could just see hands going everywhere. The blinds were ripped off the wall. They're obviously they're obviously in one of the more powerful lovemaking sessions uh, I personally have been privy to. So we're all absolutely laughing our head off. You can see the handprints everywhere. It's like like you just see shadows going at it. And <laughs> then this bloke has come back out to the group and attempted to not address it. <laughs> He's coming out, I go, I go, where you been, legend? And he goes, oh, just bloody, just bloody, you know, getting a drink. I go, oh, really? I go, are you sure you weren't doing a bit of boot scooting in there, brother? Because we saw the whole thing. <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, okay. I go, well, what happened to the blinds? And he's like, <laughs> obviously, Ben, the bloke who owns the home, this house he bought it about fucking, I don't know, two hours before we got there. It's brand new. It's a brand new fucking house. And this bloke's come in just fucking smashing the blinds down, rooting up an absolute storm, treating it like some sort of a four-star hotel. I mean, the gall on this man <laughs> had to be seen to be believed. Oh, it was so funny. And then one of the other blokes, Jason. Now, Jason had a rip-roaring trip. Probably, you know, one of the best on ground, okay? I'm very happy to say that. And so he's having a rip-roaring trip. And then it was also very well known among the group that Jason and his missus had been by far doing the most boot scooting on this trip. I mean, this guy was getting a leg over breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know? It was, it was, like, it was like they owed each other money or something. It was just relentless. So everyone's got this knowledge. He's, he's sink and piss. He's having fun. He's having the trip of a goddamn lifetime. And then unfortunately for Jason... Last hour of the last night, the big fella, <clears throat> excuse me, the big fella's climbed into a, a bottle of Captain Morgan, and this thing has taught him a few lessons. At one point, we're all in the garage carrying on, and I turn around, and Jason's on the floor. He's sort of blacked out and dropped his glass everywhere, and he's just like sort of semi-conscious on the floor, broken glass everywhere. He's just sort of blacked out, as it were. He's just fucked. He's absolutely out of his mind. And we're kind of like, okay, that's not great. Pick it back up. But we go like, you don't want to be the person to say, hey, mate, hey, John, your war is over. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the person to say that because these soldiers want to give everything they've got and, and you want to give them that opportunity. So I said, all right, Jace, come on, mate. None of that. I said, you need to sharpen up here, mate. He's up on the drink and don't fucking drop another glass. 
10 minutes later, this time I see the whole thing, just full-blown, like kind of, I don't know what he's doing. He's like blacking out while standing up. Is that making sense? So he would like pass out while standing up, but, but then he would like fall down. So the second time he, he like passed out while standing up, fell down, glass everywhere. He cut himself open like pretty badly. And then like massive red card. I had to go to bed. I tried to tell him to have a shower. He told me to fuck off, which to be honest, I had no qualms with. And uh, and then he left at like 7 a.m. the next morning uh, in one of the more sheepish getaways the trip saw. So it just goes to show, never get complacent. Never think you've done it all, you know. Keep that head up at all times and stay in the moment one ball at a time. Because we've just seen the bloke who was by far, okay, I'm, I'm saying there's fucking, there's a lot of breathing room between him and the other blokes as far as, as far as number of times uh, you know, making love to his partner on that trip. So he's he's a genuine alpha male. He was sink and piss. He was ticking all the boxes. He had everyone's respect. And then at the final hour, you pass out twice, standing completely vertical, shatter glass everywhere, and and just like that, it can slip through your fingers. And Maka, that jammy bastard, was once again named MVP of the trip, which made me sick to my stomach. Okay, so just goes to show, guys. Don't get complacent. Don't take anything for granted. Okay, so jump into a couple of topics here. So first off the bat, dude, what about this Johnny Depp thing? This Johnny Depp defamation case against Amber Heard. It's unbelievable to see Johnny Depp capture the hearts and minds of people around the world while talking about him possibly abusing his partner i mean how freaking stylish is this man is there a limit to his to his charisma that's what i want to know (laughs) is there a roof on this i mean johnny depp is suing amber heard for defamation over an article she wrote where she heavily implied uh that he was physically violent towards her okay pretty serious court case you'd think you know and you'd think if there was a villa to this it would be Johnny Depp, but that's not the case at all. Johnny Depp's been cleared of the uh, previous abuse, and Johnny Depp is absolutely going to work. People hate Amber Heard now. I don't know if she was ever particularly loved. I don't. I've never even heard of Amber Heard outside of a context involving Johnny Depp. Okay, I wasn't even aware she was an actress. I thought she was just like a professional ten, you know. So whatever. So, dude. This case is wild. So Johnny Depp, there are women packing out the courtroom and waiting outside, like supporting this man. You know, that he's t- this guy is such a genius. The whole courtroom is packed with chicks who want to bang him. He's turned this court case into a genuine home game. Okay? It's like watching the Reds play at Anfield. He's like... <laughs> Like that's that's watching the Reds play at Anfield. That's the same vibe as watching Johnny Depp in this courtroom. He has turned it into a genuine home game. So women are just packing out this trial, dude. It's crazy. There's droves of them. One woman brought not one, but two emotional support alpacas. Not one, but two. That's how you know you're an absolute style icon. When people froth on you so much, they need two farm animals around them at all times just to keep things level, brother. That's how you know you're a real icon. 
You think Orlando Bloom's on trial? He's getting any fucking farm animals turning up? That's why Johnny Depp was picked to play Jack Sparrow and Orlando Bloom got to be the other guy. You know? That's what it's all about, dude. Dude, Orlando Bloom has never even attempted to wear eyeliner because he knows better. That's why Johnny Depp deserves to be back on top. And he's so goddamn suave. There should be a rule against dressing so well in court. We should have a rule where every defendant has to put on, like, a white t-shirt and jeans and runners, regardless of gender or anything. Because, I mean, Johnny Depp walks up there to give his testimony. He's got, you know, 47 bracelets, 27 necklaces, three different shades of glasses on his hair. His hair's in four different styles. He's wearing fucking eyeliner. I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. He's looking minted, looking unbelievable, and it's just... I mean, the, the, the jury never had a chance. He's stolen their hearts before he even sits down. And then he's cracking jokes in the courtroom. This man, I consider myself a bit of a jokester, if you will, but this, this man is dancing it up in a courtroom. Do you know the level of charisma and style you have to have to pull that off without being just thrown in handcuffs? I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. He really is. At one point, they have all these recordings I don't understand how they have all these recordings. They're like, this is Johnny Depp slamming cupboards and swearing at her. But I was thinking, did she, is she like record, because they're audio recordings. So did she audio record this or is this from like a Google Home? I don't understand that part of it at all. But it's insane. So these recordings, it's so funny. Like, it's not funny, but... Like, he, in one recording, he calls her, like, a fucking cunt and a fat ass. And the jury and all the women in the room still love Johnny Depp. I'm th- what could he do or say to lose them at this point is my genuine question. Is there anything Johnny Depp could do to lose the affections of these women? Because it doesn't seem like it. I mean, the guy, the guy friggin' bends down to tie up his shoelace and people are giving him a standing ovation. It's quite bizarre. And it's like, dude, I tell you what, if you're going to fucking go after someone in court or, you know, find yourself in court against someone in any context, make sure it's not an award-winning actor because Johnny Depp is absolutely slaughtering this thing. You should see, so he's bouncing it up when he's talking about, you know, some of the funnier things. And then when, it, when they play a recording of him just abusing the shit out of her going, you fucking dumb bitch. He just looks, so, he looks at the ground, he has his eyes closed and he just looks so solemn and so like heartbroken by what he's hearing, even though he's the one that said it. <laughs> by the end of the, it's, it, this is how fucking good this guy is. You listen to a recording of him abusing this woman for a minute straight and by the end of it, you feel sorry for him. <laughs> I don't know how he's done it. <laughs> I have no idea how he's done it. It worked on me. I watched like two videos on YouTube. I was like, free Johnny. I was like, well, take this chick down. I hate her, okay? I am not familiar with the details of the case, nor do I need to be when Johnny Depp is turning it up to 11 like this, okay? Give him another Oscar for this performance. My God, make Pirates of the Caribbean 31, brother. You fucking earned it, okay? Jesus. So Johnny Depp is absolutely killing it. And then, <laughs> so I love that. But then, all right, so 
new segment this week. I want to try out a new segment. So as we know, I just love I love supporting Aussie talent, especially on the on on the global scale or on the world globe. On the world stage is the words I'm looking for. And you know, if it's if there's one criticism I have of this great nation, and let me tell you, if I do have one, the list stops at one, okay? What a country to live in. Love this nation. But if I was to have one, I would say that we probably don't support our own talent quite as much as we should. And especially the Australian mainstream media really does very little for anyone in particular. Okay? So, I thought this each week, the segment is called The Project. Each week on The Project, I just want to very briefly, ever so, if I could just have five minutes of your time, talk about an Aussie that is just killing it. Well, on the world stage or or otherwise. And it could be literally anyone, okay? Sport, music, acting, and, you know, musician, actor, I don't know what else there is really, activist, uh, you know, safari, instructor, whatever it may be, okay? But I just want to take five minutes of the podcast each week just to talk about some Aussie that's just killing it in whatever they're doing. And that I reckon just needs ever so much more spotlight, whatever I can provide. So, first edition of the project, and this is a good one. I actually wanted to do this about, um, I think I was going to do, like, the other week when I spoke about just shitloads of Australian sport, I was going to start the project then, but there was just too much going on. I was overwhelmed. You know, the segment wasn't ready to handle such volume. But now, this week, I got a good one to start us off on the project, an Aussie to highlight. So, all right, get around this. So, there's this woman, Sky Nicholson. She's a boxer, okay? This weekend, on Sunday, she's going to be the first Aussie woman ever to box at Madison Square Garden. She's boxing on the same card as Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor, which is like the biggest women's boxing fight in the history of women's boxing. Like, it's not even close. Okay, huge pay-per-view. To have women headline a boxing card like this has never happened before. And it's Katie Taylor who's like got a couple of belts or I don't know how many belts she has. She might have 17. But Amanda Serrano is like the boxing women's goat from what I can tell. And she's fighting Katie Taylor who's like, you know, the goat at like a couple of weight divisions higher than her. So it's like an absolute super fight. And Aussie Sky Nicholson is boxing on this card. It's going to be fucking insane, dude. So, and this is a great one because the only thing I love more than supporting Aussie talent is getting on trains before they leave the station. Okay, so get on this chick now because she's going straight to the top. She's 2-0. She made her pro debut like only two months ago. And I got to say, I'm not the biggest boxing fan, but I'm trying to get into it. But I got to say, I like what this chick does. She made the... If I could describe Sky Nicholson's fighting style, I would say it's it's arrogant and with, with a side helping of Bance, okay? This chick, I want to say she, in the fucking six rounds or whatever I saw in her pro debut, I reckon she raised her hands above her waist twice. She just fights. She's, she fights like at a distance. She's got wild footwork. She's never there. You can't touch this chick, you know? Even the ATO doesn't know where this chick lives. I'm telling you, you cannot touch Sky Nicholson. And she was just, like, third round, she just started styling on this chick. It was fucking unreal. 
just wild footwork, fight southpaw, big lefts. Oh, I'm telling you, Sky Nicholson, get on the train before it leaves. She won a gold medal in the Commonwealth Games. She did not win a medal at the Olympics. She lost to a POM in a quarterfinal, which just fucking... I didn't sleep last night after I read that. You know? These goddamn POMs. I don't know what underhanded tactics were used, but I, I would suggest that the Queen herself was involved, okay? Because the thing with POMs is if, if something's gone wrong, it always goes straight to the top with these, these goddamn rats, I tell you that. So, unfortunately, lost to a POM at the Olympics. Still, gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. She signed to Matchroom Boxing, which is like the number one boxing promoter, Eddie Hearn's company. And she's going to first Aussie woman to fight at Madison Square Garden ever, ever, this Sunday. Um, now, I, I don't know how to access this fight, to be honest. I don't know if it's on main event pay-per-view or if it's, I think it's on DAZN, which is like a subscription service. Okay, boxing is very hard to understand. Don't always know what's going on. The promotion can be extremely confusing. But all you need to know is that the Sky Nicholson train is about to leave the station. She'll be 3-0 come Monday. And then from there, it's straight to the top. Okay? So get on Sky Nicholson. At least uh, Google the fight if you can't see it on Sunday. Um, but yeah, first edition of the project. Sky Nicholson, Australian pro boxer. She's only 2-0. So now's the perfect time to become a fan. And she's just a bloody Aussie out there doing it on the world stage. And that's what it's all about, you know? Maybe we wouldn't have to pretend so many celebrities are actually Australian when they're not if we just supported the ones we fucking already have, you know what I mean? So, best of luck, Sky. You fucking crazy bitch. Let's go! Um, but yeah, pretty pumped up about that. And that is the first edition of the project. So I'm going to try and do that every week. And highlight just some absolute Aussie legend who's kicking ass, dude. So thanks for listening. And that's that, dude. Etc. Okay? Etc. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too long.